Hello and welcome to the EPL Pitch Side. This podcast is powered by City FM and City Sports. This is your go-to hub for English Premier League analysis, transfer stories, statistics, and everything in between. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcast. On today's episode, VAR is the antagonist. Now, it's been a drama-filled weekend for Premier League action. Um, managers are upset by the help that they uh, sought years ago. Um, a lot to chew on. First, it was Newcastle United versus Arsenal. There was some drama with Fulham versus Manchester United. And then, in a London derby, Spurs versus Chelsea capped it off. There were nine VAR checks. A lot to digest on this podcast. My name is Benjamin Nketiah. Edwin Kwakofi and Nathan Kwao are here to do the dissecting with me. As usual, gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thank you. Can't wait to get into that Chelsea game. Let's Let's get right into it. And that's where we started off from because a lot of things happened. Uh, Tottenham's unbeaten spell has been ended. Um, it took two red cards. It took two of their center house, uh, the starting ones, uh, to be eliminated from the game. And then eventually... And ridiculous high line. Yeah, ridiculous <laughs> high line. Um, all the drama you can imagine. Look, I could not have asked for a better game, but wow. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was fun stuff. <laughs> Sorry, I, I just enjoyed watching it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, the game had a, an edge to it and I liked it. But I was really concerned about how quickly it could blow over. And eight minutes after, I, I, I remember tweeting that Romero got himself sent off. And I think from that point, it was always going to be a matter of the team that took control of the situation, calmed itself down and executed well. And then, you know, Spurs got another red card. And at that point, it was always going to be complex, especially just noticing that Ange Postecoglou was not backing down. They were still playing the high line. Even before... It was 9 v 11. Mm-hmm. Raheem Sterling down Chelsea's left, which is Spurs' right, was, was having a good time. He seemed to know what to do. He seemed to have the better of Pedro Porro. He was beating his man very, very easily. And so once the gap started to appear, you just knew that Raheem Sterling would take complete advantage. Too bad he didn't get a goal. Yeah. But in the end, I think when these circumstances present themselves, if you're an opponent like Chelsea, what can you do? You can't look at this situation and say you will not take advantage of it because you also need the win. And I think Chelsea did take, take advantage, even, mm-hmm. <laughs> even though the, <laughs> even the player like Nicolas Jackson, even though he scored three, a lot of people are still looking at him and saying that this guy just doesn't look like somebody who's confident or doesn't have the makings of the top-class Premier League striker. But he forever, he forever say that, look, I scored three times against Spurs. He's happy. He was doing his suit Plenty players get a Premier League hat Yeah, you know, and, and, and all of that. So I think Chelsea will look at this win. And they'll say that one, it may not have come in the way they would have wanted, but it's a win nonetheless. They'll take the points. They'll build some confidence. Spurs can look at this win and, and, and smile at it and say, mitigating circumstances, two red cards, Madison yeah. goes off, Van der Ven is injured. Mm-hmm. So the game almost kind of left their hands. So I don't think they'll beat themselves up too much. Yeah, Their fans were, you know, they were pretty they, much yes, appreciative of the performance. You can tell the situation was really beyond them. But I also think that even though they'll look at that and say that, you know, they, they, they were victims of other circumstances. I also believe that they need to, Ange Postecoglou especially, needs to now figure out what does he do with this team because mm-hmm. Madison is out. I don't know how long he'll be out for. Van der Ven that looks would be like, interesting to find Van, out. Yeah, Van der Ven looks like he's out for a bit because the way he held his thigh and yeah, went down, you could tell the hamstring gone. was absolutely gone. 
Now, Minimum Udogi, three weeks. Yeah, yeah Udogi like that. is suspended for one game because two yellows. Romero, Romero is gone for two. Mm-hmm. So now he brings in Dyer. It means Hoiberg and Cole will have to come in. He has to make changes to that back line. Bentancur and things. But let's see how he handles it. A lot of people say that Spurs have played well. Let's see how they handle those circumstances and how they handle the circumstances now as they await the return of these injured players. We'll say a lot about them. But they'll look at this game and say, look, there was not a lot they could have done. They'll pick up positives and, and move on. Well, the good part for them is that the international break is just around the corner, yeah, so they can get some respite yeah, from yeah, that. But Edwin, um, for for Chelsea, this game, if they are honest, would leave them <laughs> asking a lot of questions about themselves because for large parts, the indecision in the final third was really, really unfortunate, if I could put it that way. Uh, but what, what, what should be Pochettino's message to his lads even after a 4-1 win? Because I could tell that he was still agitated despite picking up a big win. Well, any manager would be agitated in that second half especially, but also at the end of the first half. There were opportunities for Chelsea to take advantage of that ridiculous high line that Spurs were playing. And unfortunately, they only did that for a couple of times, maybe three, Yeah. when there were lots more uh, there was a shocking so. chance from Nicholas Jackson in the box. So all he had to do was swing at the ball with his left yeah, foot. But some way, somehow, he wanted to cut in, touch the ball three times. I'm just telling myself, if you don't need your left foot, just give it to me then. Because, <laughs> look, this guy can't shoot with his weaker foot or doesn't seem to trust his weaker foot. But the, the interesting thing is he did score with his weaker foot against Burnley. So, obviously, he has a shot on him. Mm-hmm. And... You are absolutely right. When you are a striker that's not on form, that's not scoring as many goals as you should, there are times where you don't overthink the moment. Just swing at it with your foot and it probably goes in, maybe not. But at least you put something in there. If you try to beat defenders when you are a little shaky yourself, you are not going to manage it, no matter what you think your ability is. And on that note... I'm happy for Nicholas Jackson. Hatrick is not easy to get <laughs> yeah. in the Premier His tally is up to what, five now? He's got six goals. Six, six goals now. Yeah, six six goals. Premier League goals or all competitions. Six Premier League goals. That's, 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 decent. Not, that's, that's a decent haul. It is a decent haul for him. But when you, are, when you get three goals in a game where you probably should have got nine, that's, <laughs> that says a lot. And, and, and I think this, this comes with the statistics that emerged before he joined Chelsea. And look, you look at those goals. He had scored, what, eight goals in like a spell of three months? And it it sort of plays out in this same scenario where you look at, the stats look shiny, but you look at the details and he got three goals in one game where the opponent had two red cards, two starting center halves replaced in the game and an absolutely chaotic encounter. So these little contexts matter. And I, I think that for Poch, Look, he says something that I liked about Jackson. He says he hopes that the hat-trick will build on the young man's confidence because he knows that as a young striker, it's immense to come to a club like Chelsea and be expected to perform from the get-go. And so he understands the level of pressure that Jackson probably has to stomach every game week. And <laughs> I, I think that, again, a hat-trick should settle your nerves. That's what I'm looking to see from Nicolas Jackson. It should. And... The good thing for him is that he scored a hat-trick. No one will remember the circumstances when they are talking about this. Yeah. Truth. Yeah, that's truth. All, all History won't remember is, the context. Yeah, he's got six goals. That's all everyone will remember. 
and when you have such a huge uh, nice cushion you know you've got six goals the pressure has reduced a bit mm-hmm. now when you go into further games you don't overthink the things you do you try and make the best decisions possible so i think that would work for him but the chaotic nature of his performance in yesterday's game it just summed up chelsea as a whole i think in the second half there was this over eagerness to get a goal because they knew everyone expected them to score against nine men mm-hmm. everyone expected them to dominate the game so you could find players being too eager mm-hmm. to get into these goal scoring positions that they forgot there was something called an offside rule <laughs> they forgot that there was something called a pass that uh, a pass mm-hmm. they forgot that they need to measure uh, their uh, their passing forward they need to measure uh, their shots they need to make better decisions when they are in front of goal because i could count seven at least seven opportunities where chelsea got in behind the spares I shout out to call it a defense because they were defending on the halfway mm-hmm. line. <laughs> they got in behind that first back line. Yeah. And then players didn't know what they were about. Kukurea, Cole Palmer, Raheem Sterling, Nicholas Jackson, uh, Malo Gusto at a point. Nobody knew what they were about. And even though they got a huge win, admittedly it's a huge win against one of the better sides this season, mm-hmm. I think Pochettino would be worried that there's still this level of inexperience naivety mm-hmm. on the part of uh, his players that isn't going away no matter how many games they are playing together they're supposed to be learning on the fly but the lessons learning. don't seem to be going down even in this game they had a long period playing against nine men to learn about how to play against this team but the same mistakes were being made from minute 60 to minute 90 mm-hmm. and it's worrying that with the number of senior players, I know senior in quotes because they are still uh, quite young. But senior, in terms of the num- the games, yeah. they the sort of games they've experienced, yeah. the number of games they've played, you don't learn on the fly. And I think he needs to sort that out uh, because these are players who've played in Champions League matches, Champions League, uh, World Cup finals. Mm-hmm. They should be able to understand that. A team is playing a high line. We can't just be ballooning balls over the top because they'll get used to it. Yeah. The goalkeeper will come out. Let's draw them out and allow our yeah. players to make runs. That is something that you don't need a coach to tell you from the sideline. You can manage that yourself. Mm. But all that said, I think this is a very good win for Chelsea. One good thing it does is it reaffirms the fact that when it comes to these big games, Chelsea usually steps up. And the next few games are going to be all big ones, especially the one coming up this weekend against Manchester City. So the confidence of beating Spurs, mm-hmm. who, if they had won, would have gone top of over Man City, it's a huge one. Go, they go into that game knowing that no matter the results we get against the smaller teams, yeah. in the big games, they really need to take note of us. So Pochettino will tell his players that we are going into another huge game that's nobody expects three points from us mm-hmm. if we get into that game the opponents might be complacent they might not but we know our abilities we know how we play against these big teams and three points are certainly achievable against Man City, no matter which form they are in or which form we are in so mm. it's a good result for chelsea hope they kick on from here 
Well, Chelsea will be hoping to kick on. That is a big game. Um, back-to-back big games coming up for them. For Spurs, um, it will be a test of character, like we said. So guys like Ben Tanko will come in. Obviously, uh, Hoiberg will get extended time. Eric Dyer has not been favoured much in recent times. He will uh, probably put in a shift as well. So uh, we'll see how uh, much they can hold up. This This will be a test of their title credentials because like we are saying, you need to go through some adversity to win the title. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, let's move it on and talk about VAR really. And that was at the center of everything. Um, there were nine VAR checks for that Chelsea versus Spurs game. Um, a few, a few really interesting uh, incidents happened. First of all, what referees consider um bookable or extreme punishment offenses i i've seen too many inconsistencies in recent times where for instance the romero tackle uh, was treated differently from the Im- immediate um destiny udogi tackle mm-hmm. I, I i'm not sure where it's going uh with that i mean there are too many officials i think on my part to be making mistakes look at that arsenal newcastle game uh for instance three instances highlighted the ball um being debated whether I went out of play or not, uh, a possible offside, a possible foul leading to the goal. You don't have four officials on the pitch, have another, perhaps four in the back room. I'm sure there are more in the back room, close to 10 officials and still be this bad at taking the decision. It almost seems as if the days when the game was purely manual, decision-making was easier. And it was better. I, I I don't know where you stand on VR, but Nathan, Ateta was heated about it. Arsenal immediately released a statement backing up their manager. And they've asked the PGMOL, Howard Webb and his people, to sit up and do a better job because it really is too early in the season to have these many mistakes. Well, it, it, it is true. Um, there was Spurs Liverpool a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. you know, where Liverpool released a statement. And I think they've really set the tone. Now, when clubs are aggrieved, they will... They'll come at you, yeah. You know, I kind of understand where they are coming from because it is really poor that when when you've been presented with technology to aid you with a decision, you seem to rather produce very bizarre results. You know, there are there are those who say that that's why VR is there mm-hmm. to spot the, the the obvious error, the things that the referee missed. You make it clear to him. You help clarify the matter of offside, and then you move on from there. But it's very surprising that years after implementing this, things, I won't say things aren't getting better, but some of the calls are ridiculous, especially when you see that referees have been giving the tools and equipment to help them decide on things. And so um, I kind of understand <clears throat> largely why these clubs are protesting, Liverpool protesting. And I think that the Liverpool episode was the most scandalous, and I think it will be the most scandalous one of all time where... Mm-hmm. Somebody, you know, officials aren't communicating. Somebody's not paying attention. You know, they say offside. They realize that it's onside. They don't do anything about it. All of that. So it, it's it's. Look, I think we'll see a lot more of the statements concerning the Arsenal one. Mm-hmm. It baffles me how, if, <clears throat> sorry, if the first incident, mm-hmm. the ball did not cross the line, mm-hmm. and Anthony Gordon is not offside. There is no way Joelinton, I believe it was Joelinton. Mm-hmm. There is no way Joelinton should be getting off. That's a clear foul. That's yeah. a complete foul. He just barged it to him from day, behind. All day. His hands are extended. He's clearly nudging um, Gabriel Magai. It's not like he's, he's using him to, to lift up. He's clearly pushing him out of the way. 
We saw that in the Manchester derby. We saw what Rasmus Hoyland did. So how is it that they could miss this ep- this foul, mm-hmm. this episode? I was I was stunned. I I watched the rerun of the game. And I watched that incident so many times. And I kept asking, how could they have missed this? How did Newcastle escape yeah. with with no foul? Close to close to what eight or ten minute it's check just, just and still ridiculous. didn't get it right. I I I and then and then you go and then you go yes, and then you go to the Fulham Man United one. Another very strange decision. Very, very strange. Where now the offside is left to the referee to decide. So so really, what's the point then? What is the point? And I feel that the Premier League has hurt itself by not agreeing to the semi-automatic offside because in the Champions League, it solves all problems. Mm. It determines who is offside yeah. down to a T and we move on. I, so, I, I don't know why you're picking and choosing between technologies. If you, are, if you are picking the technology, go, pick it. go in all the you way. Know, I, the best one. Yes, yeah. I think the fear, sometimes when you listen to referees, ex-referees talk about it and you listen to people in England, those who have deeper insight and you listen to the general conversation, the fear is that most people say the referees are worried that the game is being re-refereed. I don't think so. Here you have this technology to help you see something you obviously missed. And then you look at it and make a decision. But you have a team to help you. Clearly there are some of the decisions the referee will look at and you quickly decide. Like the Romero episode. That was a clear red card. You, you can't debate that. right? But not knowing... Um, that Joelinton is fouled, Magaesh. How could you look at this for ten minutes and come to a decision that that wasn't the foul? That's a very clear foul, yeah. you know. And so I believe that the referees need to be up and doing. It's really sad that a, a, a character like Howard Webb has to supervise this, and it caused his own. A lot of people have questioned him and Michael Oliver and the. Perform- I feel that Premier League referees need to start doing better. They really, really need to, need to start doing better because the scorecard, when you compare what they do to the rest of Europe, France, Portugal, Italy, Netherlands, wherever, wherever, Germany, we don't hear these bizarre episodes. And I think it's very clear. When things happen, you can tell the decision is quite clear. It's given and we move on. So I feel that referee needs to get better. What I'm really concerned about is this. And this will sound a little conspiratorial. That I feel that whenever teams go after referees, there's this, there's this almost... There's a an almost consequence or like a consequential decision to not go after those teams again. And I'll give you an example. Mm-hmm. After Liverpool complained yeah. about that VR episode at Spurs, yeah. I, again I might be sounding officiating, I might be sounding, officiating on yeah, them softening the letter. I might be sounding conspiratorial, but I've seen that happen. Now on the flip side, look at a team like Man United. Ever since match day one, when they got the Wolves' decision their way. Chronicle every single call that has gone against them. You can argue that the Rasmus Hoyland one was cool, mm-hmm. but look at the one at Fulham. Look at the episode against Brighton. Yeah. Did the ball cross the line? The official said yes, but we've seen clearer ones where the other teams have gotten away with it. So, what I fear is that once teams start to go after referees, and teams need to criticize referees, mm-hmm. what I don't like and what I worry is the reaction of Pogmore and the referees to some of these criticisms where they may be forced to overcompensate. And that means that some other team is going to suffer for that overcompensation. Like I said, it may be conspiratorial, but that's my worry concerning how the, they will react or how they react to teams when teams criticize them. Hmm. Well, I, I think that we've gone beyond apologies. We should be getting something more Performances need for, to be better. We should be getting something for... I don't know. I'm, Edwin, I don't really, know what more. I, really, mean, I don't know what really more they Really badly can. officiated games. But Edwin, like I, I was just saying, I, I don't know what you wanted to touch on, but 
I think there'll come a point where there'll be a debate about do we stick with VAR or not? Because like I'm saying, it feels to me like decisions where there were errors being made back in the day, but huge errors. Yeah. But it was simpler then. Game time was more extended. There was more fluidity in the game. There were fewer stops. Will will that debate ever emerge? Will technology ever go back? I mean, will we recline with the technology and say, you know what, let's go back to when things were simpler or you feel like we've just come too far? No, we've come too far. I think technology is very important for the game. It makes decision-making or it should make decision-making much easier. The problem is the people behind the system, they are the same people who we criticize on the field. It's the same Premier League referees. Just reminded me of that conversation that from was the released Spurs from Liverpool. the Spurs Liverpool. <laughs> That's ridiculous. It's, it's, ridiculous. It's the same referees. And they are going to make the same uh, mistakes that they would make on the field. Look, even with uh, the technology. But I mean, why are they the making their mistakes? You, you watch the clips, you are communicating. So why are they still making <laughs> errors? It's it's difficult. You it's get the opportunity to slow things, slow down, things down, watch from multiple angles, take varying opinions. Yes, yes. Another another problem is their mates. And we've heard people like Mike Dean say it. They don't want to seem like they are questioning the decisions of the on-field referee. They don't want to bring <laughs> him to the, uh, the monitor a number of times, make him feel like he's not doing the, the a good job. That Those are the things that go through the heads of the VAR officials because they are friends, they are mates, they are colleagues. And if you are seen to be criticizing your colleague, if I come uh, to you and say, every time you edit a story, I go through that same story and say, hmm, this story, I don't know. Yeah. Every single story you edit, mm-hmm. you are going to be upset by that. Yeah. And I will feel bad about it. The, the solution I feel is train somebody independent who is not a referee, who is not going to be part <laughs> of Pogmo. Train somebody independent to take care of the VAR system who does not have any loyalties, any attachments to the referees on the pitch. I've heard people say that ex-footballers should be in the VAR room. That makes sense because a lot of the decisions that the referees make are done without the insights of footballers. Let's say mm-hmm. I am defending a corner and I have to jump and my, uh, my, the ball hits my arm. It's because I am in elevation. There are some times where I'm in elevation. I have to jump with my arms up. A footballer would note this. A referee who probably hasn't played the game before yeah. would not point this out. It takes my mind to this um, the Luton Wolves game very early in the mm-hmm. season where Luton were awarded a penalty. Mm-hmm. Now, the Wolves defender goes in to block a shot. Now, he extends his, his body or he yeah. enlarges himself. The ball hits his thigh. Right, his hand is elevated mm-hmm. because, of course, he's gone in to block a shot. Yeah. It's a very natural motion. The ball hits his thigh and hits his hand, mm-hmm. and a penalty is given. And I was into an ex footballer, and he said, That's a ridiculous decision because that's how you defend. Yeah. You sprawl yourself to block the shot. Once the ball cannons off your thigh, I mean, it's I almost like saying, it, If you, it, if it you, almost you put like your hands dive behind with you. my hands behind me, it's <laughs> mean. Very interesting. Yeah, it doesn't make any yeah. sense. So, obviously, the Premier League has to work on it. They've they've put themselves in a position where they they want to call themselves the best league in the world. The best league in the world means the everything is in sync. Whether it's the quality, whether it's the quality on the field, yeah. on TV, but also the quality from your referees. You can't have it one way and then expect people to still call you the best. Ateta had to say those things. I completely agree with everything he said. Mm-hmm. 
English league is not the best until the refereeing (laughs) improves. This season, we've seen too many incidents that I'd forgive it if they were basic incidents or difficult to to tell incidents. Mm -hmm. But these are incidents that you should never make mistakes with. You've Mm -hmm. seen the footage. You should be able to give the right decisions. I, as a fan, I, as a pundit, I look at it Mm -hmm. first time. I see that this is the call. I think these are errors that the referees need to avoid. Yeah, you need to avoid these because those might be the points that eventually cost a team Europe, cost them a title, cost them a top four spot. Cost them a spot in the league. What what exactly? It could mean going down uh, back to the championship uh, or something like that. So uh, do better, really. Um, Officiating needs to be better. Meanwhile, a few things worth mentioning. Sheffield United, they picked up their first win of the season. (laughs) That was against Wolves. Nottingham Forest remain unbeaten at home. Uh, this time it was against Aston Villa. That surprised yeah, me so much. Yeah, they are yeah, beating at home. Villa were flying high, but some way they managed to really, uh, pick really them. Liverpool uh, were also uh, stunned by Luton Town the day. I'm sure they were shocked by the performance. But um, Nunez needs to put in some work on the training. Honestly, he's finished. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nunez always looks nervous yeah. when he needs to. I, finish. Saw, I saw the miss. Yeah, it's always I a little. That was so His ridiculous. Miss, he, has, he, has, he has a whole highlight reel of shocking misses. But let's end the conversation on a Ghanaian note because it was a. Uh, yep. We've got time out for Ghanaians um, generally. Uh, you look at the game uh, between Brentford and West Ham United, Mohamed Kudus. Again, he's like a <laughs> Golazo machine. Um, just great one, goal one after great, great goal, goal after yeah. great goal. And then on the Palace side of things, you had Jordan Ayew um, <laughs> stepping up from yeah, big contracts, you know, big contract, big performance, uh, delivering the assist, Jeffrey Schlopp, the ever versatile, yeah. ever present Jeffrey Schlopp. Good times for Chris Hutton, shouldn't it be? Well, it should be. Unfortunately, I you look at a player like Jeffrey Schlupp, he's not getting a look in. I think that Hutton needs to have a chat with Schlupp and figure out those matters and, and see what he can bring to the team. But for Jordan Ayew, it's nice. Days after signing your, your new contract, you deliver. I always say that when when Jordan is in the mood, he, he can deliver, he can give a lot. And I think the people at Palace love him for his hard work. What I want a bit more is some of these attacking numbers. You want the assist count to go up, the goal count to go up, just provide a lot more on those ends. But I think they really like him there. He works hard for the team and he's an absolutely fantastic player for them. And I was very delighted for Mo Kudus, even though West Ham could not hold on. And it beats my imagination how they threw away... West Ham are on a silent skid. How they threw away a very good advantage. Gone close to four games without a a win in the Premier League. But, But for Mo Kudus, I'm happy. Because I can say that in the last two games, I, I don't know whether to say David Moyes has stumbled on a formula, but he's tried something different and he's tried to incorporate mm-hmm. Mo Kudus in. So he's moved Jared Bowen centrally yep. and Mo Kudus is playing now from the right and it looks like it helps what it is they want to do. Yeah, he roams everywhere yes, as well. Yes, yes. The decision will now have to be um, the sustainability of that setup. Do you still keep playing yeah. Bowen, Bowen in the middle mm-hmm. and then Antonio Aptop? What happens to players like... Um, Paketai, yeah. check especially. But for more Kudus on the Ghanaian side, I'm happy for him. Yeah. Second Premier League goal. And, he, and if he scores more, all, all the better for him. Well, Edwin, what does Chris Hilton take out of this to solve Ghana's goal-scoring goals? Because Kudus is playing um, closer to goal for West Ham United. Uh, you look at Jordan doing good things on the assist side of town. Um, Schlopp, I would love to see him suit up in Ghana. Carlos has still not happened. Uh, Hutton should be excited by these little uh, incidents happening in the Premier League. What does he take from it? One thing, play your best players. 
call up your best players. Mm. And uh, at this moment, Ghana's best players include um, uh, Jeffrey Schlupp. You need to ha- go and have a talk with him. You need to find a way to get him into the squad as soon as possible. Try and get him to play some games with his teammates mm-hmm. if he's going to go to the AFCON, if he's going to go to the next World Cup. You need to, he needs some games with the mm-hmm. team. He's not going to come in one game in um, the AFCON, first game of the AFCON and mm-hmm. overperform. So he needs to do that. Try and find the best position for Jordan Ayu. Right now, I don't think he's the player to lead the line. If he's going to play on the right-hand side, tell him to make better decisions with the ball. Mm. Tell him to pass the ball when he needs to. Tell him to stop taking shots when it's not available. (laughs) For more kudus, let him understand that even though he is uh, one of the better players in the team, probably the best player in the team, Mm -hmm. he also needs to take some responsibility and understand that there are players around him it's teamwork. Yeah, he can't go dribbling around five players and eventually lose the I ball. Think that, and that's he, the thing with Kudus. Like uh, Riley mentioned, we have little time left. But mm. when when he doesn't score, he does little in the game. Yeah. I mean, he's not your assist guy. He's not exactly your press the player kind of guy. He, he doesn't do a lot off the ball. He needs the ball to actually be effective. It's understandable. There are players who are put in there to be attacking players. Vinicius Junior is the obvious one. He doesn't need to track back as much. Mm-hmm. But when you when you have a player in such a position, in such a role, you need yeah. more from him offensively. That means bringing other players into play. And I feel that if Ghana, the Black Stars, are going to thrive in future competitions, in future mm-hmm. games, he needs to understand that his players are around him. He needs to bring them into play as well. Well, when Kudus eventually lets, learns to actually bring others into play, I think he'll be heading for all-time great mm-hmm. status. That, that will be something to actually witness. And for Hutton, look, I say this. If you have a guy that can play at left wing back, right back, DM, CM, AMC, strike if you need him, you need to really have a really good look in the mirror, talk to him, and try and bring him into the fold. Mm-hmm. That's our podcast for today. Game week 12 uh, should be exciting. The big game, of course, is Manchester City versus Chelsea. That should be uh, absolutely sumptuous <laughs> based on what we've seen so far. Thank you very much, Nathan Kwa. Thank you very much, Edwin Kwa Kofi. My name is Benjamin Inketia. And uh, that's it for our podcast today. You can find uh, this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcast. Many thanks for doing the listening.